following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Good morning. It is so good to be here with y'all this morning. It is it's been a while. Um, we left a little over a year ago, uh, last uh, or summer of, what was that, 2020, and um, we kind of left right as things were continue to get crazy with the pandemic, and I think we were back at least once back when y'all were, uh, when Narrative was worshiping at Wrench Brewery, and, um, but to be finally see y'all back here at Hopewell, um, it's, it's a joy for our families to be back here. Um, and it's an honor to be back here and to see so many familiar faces. And uh, one of the things, thinking about that as we were looking at this text, Ted mentioned we're introducing a new, a new series um, and, and walking through 1 John. And 1 John is, is written, um, he, as far as we understand, it's, it's the Apostle John, the one that writes the book of John, um, that we have the, the gospel account of. And there's so many favorite themes and topics that John likes to use in his writings. And these really kind of helps capture the, the overall theme of what he talks about, the, the metaphors that he uses, the light and, light and love. We're going to focus particularly on that first one this morning, and you've probably caught a little bit of that word light being used in the reading today. But it was in light of... Um, knowing that we were going to be returning back to a, a church that we helped plant, a church where um, we came here shortly after. My wife and I had barely been married for a year, and to, to join into community with you guys was, was great for us. Y'all were here when uh, that little, well, now big, crazy kid running around, he did that. I know when he was before, but now he's faster. He was born. Um, yeah, now he's a lot faster. So, um, But it, to, to be... You guys alongside with us, um, just uh, as a reminder of how special of a place. And I'm thinking of those things as we're also looking at the, the heart that the Apostle John has towards um, those that he's writing to. Thus, we can gather as a kind of a group of house churches. And he writes with very tender language. And so that stands out to me as I, as I realize I'm coming back to a church that has meant very much to, to myself and my family. And there's a word that stood out. It wasn't obvious at first, because when you read this text, um, immediately it goes to the familiar words that we speak in the confession and absolution. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But the word that stood out to me, interesting, was fellowship. And I think that was partly because, again, I'm coming back to a place and, and, and thinking about the memories of that. And that's the word that stands out to me. And that's odd for me, because fellowship's a funny word for me. Um, and it might be for some of y'all as well. Fellowship is a loaded churchy word. Like, it's not a word we use outside of church. Unless if you're reading, like, Lord of the Rings, and the first one is the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Um, and I don't know if Ted was timing how quick it would take for me to make a Tolkien reference, um, but it was pretty quick and early in the sermon. I know, yes, um, appreciate that. In fact, I just had a class project with somebody. He made a Tolkien reference, and he said, it's not really an official seminary presentation or project unless you make a Tolkien or C.S. Lewis reference. Um, Luther's a given, right? But you got to 
throw some ways in there. But outside of that, we don't really use that term. It, it's, a, it's a word that we use pretty generically here um, in, in church circles. It's like we go and have a time of fellowship. We, we gather for fellowship. We name buildings after. We have fellowship halls, fellowship events. Fellowship um, is this, uh, what is it, right? Um, oh, man, this event was great. It had some great fellowship. It's not a word we use. Like, you don't go out dancing or to um, a bar with your friends and come back and say, it's a great fellowship. No, we have social clubs, social events. We don't have fellowship clubs, right? Um, I was watching the UT game and reminded about um, yesterday. I know, disappointing. But reminded of the, um, being in that stadium and going to those games um, growing up when we were living here. And, um, but, you know, what, it, it, it's a great atmosphere, and there's a camaraderie there if you're at a game, but it's not like we view it in terms of fellowship, right? So it sometimes kind of seems like this word that we use within church, but so what exactly is it? It's beyond just um, us being, like, showing friendship towards one another, although that's a part of it. There's a commonality, a thing that we're gathered around, and that happens with some of social gatherings as well. And I, and I, I was thinking about that. Fellowship has a, a unique thing that really does make it a special term for us to use as Christians. And the fellowship that's talked about in the scriptures that makes it more than just friendship or hospitality or kindness that we show to, although those are all included. What makes it distinct and unique, far more than friendship, that is as Christians, we have this common share in Christ. There's something that we all share in common with Christ, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the gifts that come along with us, his forgiveness and his graciousness are equally given to all of us. And that's key, that's huge for us, that we all gather as, as equal um, uh, people, humans who are in need of a Savior. We all come and gather recognizing our need for a Savior. And what that implies and what we're very intentional about as the church is to say, I am a sinner in need of forgiveness and salvation. And we see this show up in the text. And there's this talk of fellowship in two ways. Fellowship in, um, in terms of our relationship with God, fellowship with Christ, but also fellowship that we have with one another. That we share in something, this commonality that is important for us as the church. And it's so important that this text that you heard read is something that's familiar if, you're, um, if you grew up in a church that uses um, the, that same passage to talk about the confession absolution, and it's a passage that we use here in uh, at narrative as well. And right off, it's very intentional that at the very beginning of the service, after we've offered some, some praise and, um, for God for what he has done, the greatness of God, we enter into this time of confession early on. And with one voice, we all acknowledge that we are in need of a Savior. It's this, and it's this idea, when we say confess, that's another word that kind of sometimes needs a little bit of help explaining. To confess is to, to speak truth. It's to say something that is true. It's to say something that's really already true. And so we speak truth when we are confessing with one voice. And that does important things for us. 
It prepares for us to receive God's word and to receive his gifts in worship, but it also helps communicate and remind each other that we're not gathered here as perfect people. We're not gathered here because we have it all together, because we have something that, um, that puts us above other people. We come here completely desperate and in need. We offer nothing. We come to service. The only thing we do is we come before worship and say, God, all I got for you is my sin and brokenness. And so that's what we gather here right at the beginning is to communicate to all of us and to remind each other that this is why we are here. And as Ted mentions, it's so that we can freely confess so that we might then hear of God's graciousness and love towards us. And that's important for the unity of the church. And John gets at that here when he talks about the fellowship with one another. And when he talks about this, 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 this fellowship, he starts using this imagery of light and darkness, truth and lies. He talks about this idea of walking in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? It doesn't mean that we're... Um, necessarily living lives of, of, of obedience, but although that's an important part of our, our walk in Christian life, it's not that walking in darkness means we're walking in disobedience from God, although that is a part of it. But what John, when he kind of brings these comparing and contrasts, it's this idea of confession, of speaking truth. Are we being honest to ourselves? Are we deceiving ourselves? Are we deceiving one another? There's something very important about for the fellowship of the church that we would not deceive one another and not deceive ourselves. And that happens the ways in which we confess, the way in which we speak truth, not only of our sins, but also of who God is. And it's a unique thing that narrative does. I don't know if it's that unique, but it's not something. I say this as somebody who's um, at the seminary and now knows all things. Um, and I'm part of a worship and word class where we are studying uh, liturgy, and, and for those that are familiar with the Lutheran Church, we have the divine, uh, excuse me, the Lutheran service book, and there's different orders of worship, um, five different settings of, of, of uh, worship. And one of the things that we do here at Narrative is um, I, find, I find interesting and I appreciate, it, I didn't really um, think about that much, is we, we confess the Apostles' Creed, confess our Christian faith immediately after we confess our sins and hear the words of absolution. So it, it begins with us speaking truth about who we are before God. God speaks through Ted his words of truth, of grace and forgiveness for each and every one of you here. And then we continue to speak truth, to confess truth through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Just point to who God is, what he has done. And then through the service, we continue to confess. We continue to speak truth. Be it through our, our, our songs that we are singing to what, who God is and what he's done. Through the sermon, we're reflecting on God's proclaimed word. And then not only are those truths placed within our ears as we hear it spoken and sung, but here we're going to gather here at the end of the service and have it handed to us, placed in our hands, placed within our mouth, and we'll hear the words again of what God has done for us. We continue to speak truth. And this is where John talks about warning against walking in darkness, to deny your need for a Savior. There's different ways he does that, ways in which we deceive ourselves and one another. 
It's interesting how we can actually deceive ourselves. In fact, some of the, the, the best successful liars um, and the ways in which we lie is that we lie to ourselves. And in terms of Christianity for our faith, I mean, there's different ways in which we do this throughout, the, 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 throughout our lives, throughout our world, that culture does. Um, we, we, we justify our behavior, we justify things, we, um, we deflect, um, we present ourselves in ways that we want people to see us, um, we hide the things that we don't want people to see. I mean, we, we're constantly living that, that dance in our world, but we can also do that here in the church, where we, um, or in terms of our relationship with God, where we deceive ourselves in thinking that our sin is not that bad, or that our sin has an excuse for it. Either it was unintended, or it was really I had no other option. And we can continue to kind of lie and deceive ourselves and even hope that it would deceive others as well. But it starts with us often trying to convince and deceive ourselves. And rightly so. Sin is damaging. I mean, it, it hurts us. When we do it, when we hurt others and when others hurt us, it has an impact on us. So it's important that when we do gather to confess, we do it with this one voice. We're not deceiving each other. That unity and, and fellowship acknowledges before God that we are completely in need. And when we make those words of confession, our list of things that we have done and things that we have left undone, the things that we have thought um, and said and done are different. And yet the beauty of what happens in fellowship with Christ is in the midst of whatever that list is for you, those words of Jesus in which you are forgiven extend to you, extends to all of us, this one voice that we hear from God that proclaims forgiveness. We see this accomplished when John talks about um, that when we do confess our sins, it says God is faithful and God is just to forgive, forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is God's good pleasure and will for him to announce forgiveness. Because the danger, the thing, the reason that we would hide ourselves um, from our sin, hide ourselves from our shame, to, to walk in darkness and not in the light of truth. Because we don't like to confront that. No one wants to, to have their, their sin out in the open. And we can deceive ourselves and we can deceive each other the reality is we're not deceiving God. So for us to walk in light is to live a life exposed. It feels exposed to have the light of God's truth where there is no darkness, where there is no lie, to stand before God and only truth is revealed. And to stand before God as a sinner, to feel completely exposed. And yet it's in that place that God would have us hear these incredible words. And John's saying, don't hold yourself back from that. Don't hold each other um, back from that. Know that true fellowship, true walking in the light of God is to recognize that you are just as much in need of a Savior and forgiveness as your brother and your sister in Christ. And so thankfully, sin um, is 
taken care of and accomplished, or excuse me, is, is won and cleansed for us through the blood of Christ, as John reminds us. And these are things that we bring before God together. It's, it's, it's what, again, it's what makes our fellowship unique. That we can come before and say we are equally sinners before God and yet we commonly share in these gifts of Christ. That that would actually build and strengthen and unify the, Christ, unify the church. That because not only do we individually share in the blessings of Christ, but also us as the body of Christ, together, corporately together, that we're able to also walk as this body of Christ, to walk in confessing truth. And I love that because when we continue that confession, particularly of the Apostles' Creed, we join with, um, we join with uh, through space and time, with churches that have been long confessing these words in different languages and all around the world. At the same time, um, we join in this confession to recognize that we're part of this greater body of Christ in which we all partake and receive of his gifts. And so hopefully the encouragement for us here um, is this walking in fellowship. I encourage you, um, we, we, I know narrative sometimes um, takes advantage of helping um, communicate the whole scope of a book of the Bible when that's being studied. Um, there's a resource that's typically made available through the Bible Project. We didn't get a chance to do that, but to see how those themes are all woven together. Because John does a unique thing. He's not, very, he's, he's not a Western thinker. His, and, and, and the video will help highlight that, where it's not just this kind of straight point-by-point point thing. But he weaves these themes of light and love throughout the book, and he just gravitates around them, orbits around them, continually going back to them, and, and it's very um, scattered. And yet it helps encourage, and as John intends, to encourage the church, not only to, to live in fellowship and in speaking truth, to walk in the light of God, but that that would then translate into our lives, and we'll see that as y'all go continue through the series, that that lives and translates into a life of love. That not only do we receive the gifts and forgiveness of God, but we also, having been loved by God, are then able and called to freely go and love our neighbors. And we're able to do that unified, in fellowship. My encouragement for you this, this morning, it's the, um, the joy that it does um, have for me to gather here and worship with you this morning. It brings back great fond memories. But it's also a reminder that we are a church that continues to move forward continues to advance and preach the gospel into our neighborhoods, and we're able to do that together. And so uh, I'm able to join you, not as often as I can, but um, as, as we prepare um, for future ministry elsewhere, know that we are still part of this same body of Christ. And that brings me hope, and that brings me joy. I give you thanks for the ways in which you have encouraged my faith, that you have encouraged our family, and I pray that we would continue to walk um, in this light of the gospel light of the truth, confessing what is true before each other and before the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning, for us being able to gather and to sing your praises, to hear your word and to receive your gifts, for you to serve us in this time and place. We ask that you would strengthen our fellowship 
that this would be a way in which you continue to strengthen um, each and every one of us individually, but also us as a body, particularly us as Narrative Church. That we might know that we can freely come before you, and though it is um, to stand exposed before you um, when we confess the truth about our nature and about our sin, we can also do so freely knowing that you are a God of grace and forgiveness. That we need not put up any, any pretense, any type of mask, or any type of covering as if that would in any way uh, change your view of us. So that we might come empty, broken, and naked. So that we might receive your righteousness. That we might receive your gifts. That you clothe us as your people. I pray that you would continue to strengthen and bless Narrative Church as they are here in the Round Rock and Greater Austin community. Give you thanks for them, the faithfulness of their people, for their leaders. Pray that you would continue to bless them and strengthen us now as we enter into this time of communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.